the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Welcome into another edition of the Spot Track Podcast. Your host, Brandon Kravitz, here, joined by the Dean of Deferral Payments, Mike Janetti, digging himself out of an Otani contract sized hole to come and chat with us here today. This is, um, I mean, this is like Christmas Day for the sports financial yeah. contract world. So, how's life? Yeah, it's been a it's been a good ride. You know, this is uh, everything I expected this was going to be. Look, I I thought we'd have more bells and whistles to talk about, right? Like if he if he pitches thirty games, he gets to this point, and if he does that for four years, he unle- unleashes another five hundred million. There's nothing, you know. It's just just a bunch Do I of sense s- disappointment right now. Oh no, oh no, oh no. I uh, there's still plenty to get to. Don't worry. But I, you know, I was kind of. I was kind of looking forward to those kind of conditionals similar to what Julio Rodriguez has in Seattle. But, you know, at the end of the day, and I think most of us assume this was coming, this guy was just so damn worth it that every big team with all of their checkbooks just said, let's just open this thing up. And uh, if we get him, we get him. That's just how it's going to work. So there's a... There's a lot to get to, right? I mean, every every market yeah. in the world is talking about the fact that he deferred his payments and what does that mean? And I'm not even sure the most important part has been said out loud. So I'm excited to dive into this with you. Well, there's a I, I have about 15 to 16 angles on yeah. this um, and probably leaving some on the cutting room floor. So let's dive right into it and see where it takes us. Uh, how much more info do you have right now? versus when you you dropped an episode mm-hmm. detailing this um back on Monday how much more do you how much more info do you feel like you're armed with going into this conversation versus the one you had the other day yeah so i think saturday afternoon is when we heard the 700 million dollar number and then sunday evening is when i dove into like the surfacey stuff all we knew at that point is extensive deferrals were coming that's all that's all I knew when I when I pushed record the last time. So we certainly know a hell of a lot more. Um, you know, everything from certainly how much is deferred to what that means, to what it means for the Dodgers, to now yesterday's big report that he can he can get out of this thing. And there's really fun language with that, which I know you want to get to. So um there's a lot of uh, internal numbers, the, the the CBT stuff that we can talk about that I didn't get to at all Sunday because I didn't want to try to guess, try to assume. And I'm glad I didn't because I did not by any means expect 97% of this contract to be deferred. Yeah. And that'll be a big portion of, of what we talk about here. You and I often, and this is more of an NFL thing than, than it is in the world of guaranteed contracts in the NBA and in Major League Baseball. We talk about fluff. We talk about that, that, uh, yeah. With this, the sticker shock, what you see the, uh, via headlines, and then the reality of it, and there's usually a gap in between. Does that exist in any way in terms of this contract? Of course, Otani is going to have the power, but is there is there any way that he doesn't get to seven hundred million dollars, and that if things go in a different direction, that it could actually be a lower payment over time? Uh, it's it's a good point, um, and, and it'll, it'll take me down a rabbit hole, so I got to be careful here. But the, you know, I'll I'll stay with this. It's fully guaranteed at seven hundred million dollars. The only way he doesn't make it is a he exercises this opt out and starts over. When is be, that? It's at any point from what I have read, Brandon. At any point in time, if the owner, if the ownership changes of the Dodgers or Andrew Friedman himself. The, the mastermind behind all these moves in LA leaves the Dodgers. 
he can punt at the end of whatever year that is. It could be this year, right? If they but blow he it up this do it year. In, and I read that same thing, but if those, if there is no, there's no opt out for him unless that happens. That Those are the only stipulations that we've heard about, right? So yeah, it's either talk that. About job security for that. Oh my management. God. It's incredible, right? Yeah, right. It's it's extremely chesty, right? Not only am I signing the best player maybe in the history of the game, but I'm attaching myself to him. And if I go, he goes. That's how important this guy is. That's crazy. So, yeah. uh, so that or he, or he could also choose to not opt out. Like if if things that's right, right. things go awry, and he goes, oh, you got to go. Then, then that could be a scenario. So it's not a, it's not a guarantee, but yeah, that, that is, so that's part of it is that he can, he can walk out if ownership or, or the management changes. And the only other thing, and it's, I have to say it is any kind of discipline, right? I mean, if there's any kind of issues that come up and the Dodgers have had now two in the past two years, so it's not nothing, but he doesn't seem like that, that type of human being. So that's yeah. it. That's it. It's, it's off field, um, massive off field issues and, or he exercises the opt out clause. Uh, outside of that, there's no fluff. There's no, he's got to do this to earn this. It's 700 base value. Crazy. Uh, and so he's making with the deferral payments, he's going to make $2 million a year, which is laughable. I was yeah. reading, I think their backup catcher is going to make more than mm-hmm. Shohei Otani next year. Yeah, so. the minimum salary is $740,000. And anybody in arbitration one is going to make more than Otani. Uh, in 2024. So what he's done here is incredible. I read this morning, by the way, he wanted to defer the whole thing. He didn't want to make a single, he wanted to drop down to the league minimum for all 10 years, defer every other penny. And I think that's when his agent said, all right, all right, you know, I'm, I'm already doing enough here, man. Yeah. Yeah, I got to be able to pay my bills here at least right on an annual basis. Crazy about this is that (laughs) I totally get the, the competitive side of the yeah. deferral, you're still talking about someone that, yes, down the road is going to be one of the wealthiest individuals in the country or the yeah. world, whatever. I mean, $70 million a year, $700 million in total, but he's not touching that money no. for 10 years. No. Uh, that's still, uh, that's not something, I, I, I think it's important to really state this clearly. This is not something most people would be willing to do. No. Even though you're going to get it, but they have to wait that long. Um, and I mean, I know he's, you know, he's not exactly going to be hurting to eat, but uh, if, that's if, still very unique. The unicorn player, unicorn uh, contract, very very true. Incredible. Um, and, and look, it's been said a lot. He's making a ton of money off the field. We, we know this. That's only going to increase as a member of the Dodgers. I can only imagine him and Mookie Betts are going to be lining up for for duo commercials like we've seen with, you know, Kelsey and Mahomes and things like that. So it's, it's going to be great. He's going to be just fine. Um, you're right, though. And it's really important to say this, that this is not going to become a trend. <laughs> it's just not. There are very few agents in, in this industry that will do this because they are, they are punting on money. Um, it's not like the Dodgers aren't putting this into escrow and it won't be there and all that stuff. And I'm sure there's an agreement that the agent is, is working out some sort of sponsorship contract with Ortani so that he gets paid just fine over the next 10 years and he won't have to wait his turn too much. But this is not going to be a normal thing. Most, there are teams that won't do this with most players, um, you know, it's only the superstars. It's the Max Scherzers, it's the Jacob DeGroms, it's those type of players, and certainly Notani, that will get these kind of offers. 
and almost every player is going to say no. And it is really economics. And it's the way that the world is working, right? Uh, it's not just a cliche. He, he, there's no question that Otani is, is going to leave money on the table in 10 years when he goes to collect that 68 million each year, especially without interest, which is maybe the craziest part of all of this is that he, he didn't even build himself in any kind of safeguard just in case the world is on, you know, is on fire in a decade, which really yeah. isn't that crazy to say out loud. So, well, that, and, and that's, and I think that that's the point that I was trying to make. And, and I'm not trying to be grim about it, but 10 years, a lot can happen mm-hmm. in 10 years. And you lead a very different life as an agent, as a player, whoever making 2 million versus 70 million. This yeah. is, these are very different circumstances, both good, very different. And, and you don't know what could happen in 10 years. And uh, you're right. You're not going to see that. I know that you've dug into this isn't this isn't new. The um, the extent of it is new. The dollar amount is new. But deferring contracts has been going on for a long time. There's a reason why we have Bobby Bonilla Day. But when you started looking into that and how else this is utilized in Major League Baseball, what did you find? Yeah, I mean Ken Griffey Jr. is still on the Mariners' payroll right now, right? He doesn't he doesn't account Isn't towards their payroll. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he doesn't account towards their payroll or their tax salary and like that. But he's there. They're 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 handing him money every year. So oh, it's the Reds. Uh, I think he's top three for the oh yeah, bo- yeah, there salary you go. with the Reds. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Um, but that's not you know that's what we deal with here. This has been a tale as old as time. Uh, it's it's accounting. These are generally accounting and finance people running these teams, especially 20 years ago, back in the 90s when that was super in vogue and unfortunately turned into a bit of a mess. But that's that's what this is. We'll we'll do whatever it takes right now and push everything else down the line because that, because it's going to be better in 20 years. That's what everybody tells themselves, right? So baseball is no different than that, and that's essentially what Otani is saying to the Dodgers: Go completely all in here on everything humanly possible. I'm going to free up 24 million of tax base by doing this don't do not stop pushing down the gas pedal and uh and if i got to take a bit of a haircut in 10 years financially you know my six, 68 million actually becomes what 62 million or whatever it's going to be he's perfectly okay being there and and it's 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 commendable i want to make sure that word is out there this is un- this is unbelievably generous and commendable because i not i'm not sure there's five total players in major league baseball that would have done this i really don't think so and the reason that he's doing it is to be competitive. The guy wants to win yeah. is I know there's the language in the contract as it pertains to the owner and the general manager is there. I saw Tom Verducci write something along these lines. I don't know if it's specific language or if it's a, I mean, I would think it'd have to be written somewhere if it's that important, but in terms of being competitive and bringing other players in, I saved you this money speaking as Otani now you have to go and use it. Now, we mm-hmm. think the Dodgers have always been the type of organization that would do that. So it almost doesn't need to be said. But uh, imagine the frustration on Otani if they just start pocketing that extra money and they don't go out and try and sign these big name players. So do you think that is it uh, something that you think is in the contract or is that just a handshake agreement? Um I haven't heard of something like that actually being written into a contract before. So this would be groundbreaking. Um, you know, maybe it's one of those things. Maybe it's like a like a Kyler Murray type thing where it's being said out loud as if it's in the contract, so that it essentially publicly becomes in the contract, right? Maybe maybe that video game stuff really wasn't in Kyler Murray's contract, but it it sure sounds like it is now, isn't it? Because we've talked about it for months and months and months. But I, I do wonder if uh, if if that isn't just being pressure 
that really doesn't have to happen. The Dodgers have never tanked. Never. Yeah, right. Not in my lifetime. I'm not sure they're ever it's ever going to happen. And if they're tanking, there's a new owner involved. And by that time, Otani will have opted out and got the hell out of there. So uh, it's probably just the icing on the cake and uh, something that everybody wanted to say out loud just to make sure that it's said, you know, the proper things and the proper channels are being noted. But I'd be surprised if language was actually put in there because otherwise this is something more players should be using, right? I, I don't want my team out to turn into the Pittsburgh Pirates is essentially what this is. It's the Pirates clause. <laughs> <laughs> I have the actual quote. This is from Sports Illustrated. This is from Tom Verducci's yeah. article. He says to ensure to assure the Dodgers honor his gesture of unselfishness. Otani asked for language in his contract that assures the club will make good on its promise to use the savings he created to build a competitive team around him. Yeah, it some, says that he asked for it. I'm thinking if he asked for it, he got it. It's pretty but, good. Uh, it's, some, it's pretty good. Like a certificate of oath. Objective though. Yeah. Yeah. What does that mean? Right. It, but I, I, again, I, I think it's I think we're splitting hairs here with this one. This is just the wrong team to have to worry about with this. But good on them for checking all the boxes. Right. And, and by the way, you know, when you when you forfeit this kind of money or at least postpone this kind of money, you better say things like that. Yeah. Um, In terms of the Giants side, were you surprised to learn that the Giants, the San Francisco Giants, were prepared to accept terms on the exact same deal? And would that mean that this was less of a contract that the Dodgers structured and more of one that Otani and his camp put together and then placed on the table in front of everyone they talked to and said, if we're going to play ball, this is how we're going to do it. This is the it's, exact deal. And it, it sure sounds like that, that, that Otani and, and Nesbael made this framework. Um, and maybe Otani actually pushed this thing to the maximum a little bit. And then eventually, I think it might have been down to those two, maybe three teams with Toronto involved. I'm not sure Toronto's offer got to the full 700 from what I've read. But I, I do believe that the Giants were in dollar for dollar, structure for structure, because they were here with Aaron Judge. In fact, I think their offer for Aaron Judge was more than what the Yankees ended up giving him. Um, and I believe San Diego also had a higher offer. So there have been teams that have gone bigger and better. And for some reason, right, the Giants have been passed over now a bunch of times. Now, they just landed, you know, the South Korean kid, the outfielder. That's a good start for them. But they have been passed over now a bunch of times. And that may be something to look into here because... A, a losing to the Dodgers is fine, right? But you know, the, the Aaron Judge things felt like it was going down to the finish line, and then it wasn't. Yep. So it seems like they're doing everything they should be doing financially speaking. But you know, it's it's really hard when you're going up against the Goliath. That's the Dodgers here. Well, the Giants are Goliath in their own right, and they're willing to spend the money. Yeah, I saw Buster Posey had his own theory, which to me came completely out of left field. I mean, I'm on the east coast. The uh, I mean, the southeast. You're in the northeast. We're far removed from San Francisco. He says that it's because of uh, drug use and homelessness. Crime. Yeah. Crime yeah. And that that's yeah. the reason, which seems like something that, I mean, I've been to San Francisco. It has its beautiful areas. You know, yeah. it's like every big city. Like if you've got money, you can live in the nice parts. And if you don't, then things, um, you know, mm-hmm. aren't, aren't quite as, um, as pretty, but uh, it's surprising to hear a major league baseball player say that, 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 that he actually says that that is deterring people from playing for the San Francisco giants and that he got wind from not Otani himself, but from his camp 
that there was a little bit of uneasiness, I believe was the exact word he used. I don't know why I, w- I wouldn't believe him, though, right? I mean, it's such a specific thing. He is such a, yeah. a specific, important, attached to player, right? Or now front office person. So uh, it, it does make a little bit of sense. I would just push back a little bit and say, right, it's not like L.A. is a, <laughs> you know, right. you know a, a mattress where everybody's cozy and, and comfortable walking around. So it's uh, it's going to have its problems as well. For sure. And I, 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 I want to be very clear. I'm so detached from the uh, the daily ongoings of the city of San Francisco. Maybe this is a daily conversation of people in the city, uh, but clearly something he says that players and their wives don't feel comfortable coming and spending um, a series over there. So why would they come and play for the Giants? So perhaps, I mean, that will let somebody else tackle that larger issue. But so I'm going to ask a question that is uh, back to this deferral payment and, and the luxury tax and all of that. The, the very simple question. When I first saw this, it just felt like the the, the deferral payment that Otani and credit to him for being willing to take it, but he's letting the Dodgers off the hook here, and they're getting off easy. Is it right that they're able to do this within the rules of the CBA? Look, I had to uh, I had to look into this. I had to cover my bases and make sure that I understood the CBA again. And and it certainly states out loud, unlimited, right? Unlimited money, unlimited time to defer this compensation. And then I had to look again at how this impacts the actual CBT because, you know, it's obviously the reports are out there that the CB, CBT salary, the, the tax salary, which should be 70, right? 700 divided by 10 is now 46. And that's great, right? That's the 24 million we're talking about. There's that's the benefit of what he's doing. That's why the Dodgers are going to be able to be competitive for the next decade. Is it right is a really interesting question because the the subtraction part of that math problem Brandon is not being discussed. What is saying out loud is that 240 million dollars out of the 700 is never going to be accounted for by the Dodgers salary luxury tax ever. This is not like football. This is not like Deshaun Watson's fully guaranteed $230 million contract that's going to get restructured every year. So his $60 million cap, it becomes $20 million. And then we tack on void years. And at some point in time, the rooster is going to come home, right? And and the Cleveland Browns are going to have to take on all $230 million of that salary cap over 9, 10 years when it's all said and done. The Dodgers are never going to have to account for that 240 ever. It's deferred money. It's down the line. The contract has been restructured to present day value at 460 million and change. And the rest of that 700 million is just cash. It's just a service fee for thanking Strohei Otani for doing what he's doing here. And they never have to actually tax it on their bill. That part of it does not seem right, right? No other sport does this. No other sport, whether you have a salary cap, a soft salary cap, a luxury tax system, allows you to do this, which is basically just hand a player cash and never have to account for it on a team level. I don't think that's correct. I do believe, and even if it has to be in 2034, right, that the Dodgers should have to account for this money that they have paid out to a player. It should hit their books in, in terms of the team salary, uh, luxury tax. So that part of it seems wrong to me. It's not. It is the way that the business works. It is the benefit you get from deferring money. It is why what Otani's doing is incredible. But 
to answer your original question, I don't think it's right. I, I'm not going to use the word circumventing because it's legal, right? It is it is in the documentation to say this is out there if you want to do it. Can you imagine the player if player has to be willing to do it? Which can is you imagine if Bill Belichick and Tom Brady could have done this? Right. They got accused of doing this anyway, right? The the side companies that Brady earned and you yeah. know it, it could you imagine if the NFL actually allowed this where we could just say, look you know, you're going to retire in 20 years, you know, we'll pay you a billion dollars in 20 years, but your salary cap, it's only going to be $8 million for the, for the, for when you're playing football for us. That's essentially what's happening here with Otani. And, and I don't think it's right, but it's legal and they've done it. And honestly, kudos to them. Shohei Otani right now is 29 years old, I believe. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, he's going to be, he'll be like 50 plus he'll still be collecting money from the from the Dodgers and by then you know and this is the part that really feels unfair to me is that when they start paying this money out I mean between uh inflation and the whatever TV rights deal they have in the future whatever that looks like that could be a drop in the bucket for them in in the same way that when Bobby Bonilla signed his contract years ago, it felt like a really big deal. Now he gets a million dollars a year. That's nothing. Nothing. That is nothing to these teams. No. It, it just yeah. In a in a, in our American sports culture, yeah. even in baseball, parody is still sort of uh, there's an effort to uh, to bring that to every sport, and this just completely goes against that. Are you worried about that that. here? I haven't heard that conversation ramp up yet, right? But if they sign Yamamoto, which, man, it sure sounds like they're a top three contender, it really does feel like this Dodgers team is going to be a step above everybody else in this league, right? It feels a little bit similar to when LeBron went to the Miami Heat yeah, and and Bosch signed and you went, wait, what happened to competitive balance? Yeah. Like, they've always had teams that were better than others. Now it just feels like a foregone conclusion. Now in baseball, it's not that easy. You can't just put five guys out on the court together and go win a championship there. It's still, even with all the advantages, still going to be incredibly difficult for the Dodgers to win just because of the nature of the beast. But it, it does feel like they, they have such a leg up on everybody else because of this contract um, as long as he stays healthy and in what, yeah. what it affords you when you have Freddie Freeman and Mookie Betts and Shohei Otani and whoever now is able to come over because <laughs> Shohei Otani opened up that kind of money. It does seem unfair. It doesn't seem right. And I, I, is it something that baseball ever tries to attack or I mean, they, they're the sport that cares the least about competitive balance. So maybe it doesn't irk them the way that it does me. I don't think they ever will. Um, and here's why they're not a juggernaut. The major league baseball is not a juggernaut sport like the NFL and the NBA have become right. And certainly international soccer, you know, nobody's really going to stop watching the premier league just because Manchester United's awful right now. And by the way, they're awful right now. You're not really hearing about it, right? It's kind of, it's kind of big in this small circles, but it's not like the biggest story ever when the Dodgers and the Yankees and the Mets and, you know, the Cubs and the usual suspects in baseball aren't winning games. The sport has no chance that season. They have no chance. There's not a, there's not a chance that mid-market teams in the postseason will carry enough ratings to actually make this league money, unfortunately. They're going to profit, of course, but you know what I'm talking about. 
So the fact that this is the organization that's ramping up and the Yankees are doing the same thing on the other side of the, you know, of the country, I think baseball's sitting back right now with cigars in their mouths saying, this is beautiful. All right. And if the Royals want to win a bunch of games with Bobby Wood Jr., that's even better, right? Because now we got the middle and the outsides all working together. Yeah. So I, I don't think they care. Now, if the Dodgers rip off three out of four World Series, it's going to be every, all everybody talks about for sure. But until that happens, I don't think they're going to say a word. I mean, the, the other side of that is just, again, how hard it is to win in baseball. The Dodgers have been spending yeah. money for years. Uh, their last two championships were in 20, uh, 2018. Wasn't and, it the bubble year? I think it was the 2020. Bubble year. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah, you're right. I was between 20, 2020 and 1988. Those were their last two. So yeah, they've had a little bit of space. They've been to the World Series a bunch of times. But um, yeah, I mean, it's still it's just incredibly hard to, uh, to do that. Uh, are you surprised that more teams don't try and pull something like this off now that we've seen it on full display to this degree mm-hmm. um, that, that you don't see this more often from teams, even the even some of the smaller market ones that go, hey, we would love to bring in a big name player. We don't want to pay for it right now. I can tell you right now, there are teams that try to do this pretty much with every big contract they have. The Washington Nationals tried to do this with a dozen players. Scott Boris basically said no, except for Steven Strasburg. And boy, that whole contract needs its own podcast. But the, the, the Boris stuff is really the part here. It's the agents coming in saying, no way, we're not doing this. We know how this economics works. We, we want the money up front. This guy deserves it because of X and X and X. It's the agents shooting everything down. So the fact that Otani was able to go above Everything, everybody telling him, no, this is a terrible idea, right? And I'm sure that happened quite a bit. <laughs> Just shows how powerful, how, how, how generous, how, and how competitive he is. And I don't blame him because the last six years have been an absolute train wreck uh, with that other LA team. So I, I don't think this is going to catch on because got a lot of old school agents out there that never want to do this, that have to have to really pinch pennies just to defer a little bit. I did a piece on spotrate.com where I think there's 12 players right now in the league with notable deferrals, three of them on the Dodgers, of course. Um, and you know, it's not hundreds and hundreds of million dollars. It's 50, it's 40. There's an 80 in there. There's a 10, right? There's a 12 in there. That That's more what we'd likely to see. These little nickel and dime moves that really don't do much for the tax salary. It's literally just about, hey, we don't want to spend $800 million this offseason. We want to spend seven fifty. And can you help us out here and move, move some things down the line for us? So it's not, it's not this grandioso thing that Otani has done. It's really been more of like an, an annual year-to-year accounting glitch that, that owners have asked to help out with. So it's, it's just never going to catch on, I can guarantee you. So we'll, we'll tie a bow on the Otani portion of the conversation with this, I, I had somebody tweet me after he signed the deal or I saw it out there and said uh, the, a billion dollar contract is right around the corner now with with mm-hmm. Otani signing this. And I went, whoa, 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 whoa. OK, it's going to happen at some point. I agree. You know, the, the, it seems like the this this tree of money to athletes just is going to grow to the sky. But this contract is so different because this player is so different. That's Do you right. want a soapbox on this and how just no, because right. he signed a $700 million deal, whenever that ends up getting paid out, he signed a $700 million deal doesn't mean that this now becomes the new standard. No, I I, I had a similar conversation offline with one of our spot track guys here because um, Juan Soto is the next. He's, he's been the 
the guy, the train that's been coming in terms of the next big contract. At one point in time, he was mathematically a $500 million player. I'm not sure he's there right now, even though the age and everything is really on his side. And certainly he's with the Yankees now, which, you know, benefits him from a contractual standpoint. Juan Soto is not Shohei Otani. Okay. (laughs) What, What Otani is able to do, even if he only pitches for three more seasons, let's be frank, right? Three more seasons. It's still way more way more production than any other single player can offer right now. Um, But I will say this, Brandon, that $240 million service fee that I'm I'm joking about, but I'm not, that's essentially what this is. uh, That's what it's going to take. It's going to take, we'll we'll account for 50 million per year on our books for you. All right. And that's the number we're comfortable with, even though that's an insane number against the $240 million tax salary. What's it going to take after that to get you to defer what we need to get us down into that 50 range, right? Because now, now that's the model that Otani has created here is the baseball money and the after baseball money. And unfortunately, those two things exist. So there's You've a world. Correct that. They have got to but, figure but, out. That but it's reality. It's, it's icky, right? It's icky. But there, there's a world where now the Blue Jays can go to Juan Soto next December in his free agency and use this model to a smaller degree and offer him Canadian loonies until he's blue in the face, right? That will never hit their set, their luxury tax. And I'm not sure Scott Boris can say no at some point, right? There's going right. to be a number that he's going to have to say, you got to do this, man. This is insane. And that team's not that bad anyway. So I'm not going to say this isn't going to catch, this is going to catch on all the time, but with these somewhat unicorn players coming up, right? Like Soto, who is from a hitting standpoint, that type of bat, there's going to be a number that teams can now throw out there and use this model to their advantage. So it's, it's weird. It's crazy. I'm not sure it's correct based on, you know, our discussion here, but it exists. And until they change the CBA, I I do think somebody will try to do it again. I am a ball of emotions with this all (laughs) over the place. Let's wrap our midweek episode as we do with our quick hits, which highly sought after free agent will be next to sign in Major League Baseball, a much uh, smaller contract. But still, who uh, who are we looking at next? Yeah, maybe not super small. I do think Yamamoto is around the corner here. He's I think he's seen everybody he needs to see. Um, That's the uh, the Japanese pitcher that I think he's 24 with like three Japanese Cy Youngs already. Uh, Mets, Red Sox, Yankees, Giants, Dodgers, everybody, Cubs, everybody who's, who matters is in on this guy. And uh, generally that means big money. So I would expect him to be the next big announcement. And if it's the Dodgers, it's going to break the sports world because of everything we've talked about here. How is it not going to be the Dodgers? I know. I mean, this is part I know. of the reason Otani. Did you hear everybody was at the dinner, right? Mookie was there and Freddie was there and Shohei was there. And I don't know how you walk away from that. And if they're offering $300 million and say, yeah, this is where I, this is. I don't really want to play baseball here. This doesn't sound no, great at yeah, all. This is terrible. <laughs> uh, Bill Belichick and the Patriots appear to be on the outs. He's reportedly going to be gone at the end of the season. Hard to believe that that relationship is coming to an end. But this season has been really bad for both sides. Is there a world where he has a tough time mm. finding work? Yeah, I, I think with the age and, and you know, does he want to jump into a rebuild? No. Right. And I know everybody's talking about the chargers. We've talked about them a lot. They're going to rebuild. I mean, they're going to rebuild like half of that roster to try to make this work with Justin Herbert's contract and, and Joey Bosa's contract. So I, I know everybody's trying to link Belichick with Herbert specifically. And I do like that. I'm going to throw a way simpler conversation at you and you're going to, you're going to probably hate this because it's local. 
Is it crazy to think Tampa Bay's in on this guy? Is it crazy, Brandon? Like the only, I, it's I know not, the Brady stuff would be unbelievable, but I know that well, Belichick loves Baker Mayfield, loves him. And if Baker is coming back to this team and there are some weapons there and there is a semblance, and by the way, the division's a mess, and wouldn't yeah. Belichick love to just be able to run through a bad division and maybe get himself back into the postseason? I actually think it might be his easiest path at his age, at his status, to, to jump into a, onto a team, latch on, bring in a couple of pieces that he's comfortable with, and just go. The ironic part is you might end up having to fire a guy that just won the division Todd Bowles know, in order to do it, but still an upgrade. I don't think anybody would disagree with that. Yeah, I think the Bucks would jump at that in a heartbeat, but that is the, it is the Brady part that gives me pause, but it does is Belichick. Like I, like I would care about that. Is Belichick the kind of person no. that would care that that's the path that, that Tom went? Like, there's a part of me that thinks Bill already forgot that Tom played there. <laughs> I, I, I know that's the part that, that is that is ugly for me. And boy, from a sports content person, you have to be eating that kind of stuff up. But I actually yeah. just think from a football standpoint, there's there's some sense to it where some of these other teams that are being floated. I feel like it's going to be way more work than Belichick wants to put in right now. That's all. Yeah, I can't come up with many better options. I actually think it could be difficult, as weird as that sounds. Yeah. All right, let's wrap with this one. Your reaction and response to the league indefinitely suspending Draymond Green. And now the uh, I, I think they want him to get into anger management, seek yeah. some sort of counseling. And then I don't know if they're going to have like a they're going to offer some sort of test where they say, OK, we think that you're calm now. I don't know what the plan is, but your reaction to the way that the NBA suspended Draymond Green. Um, it makes sense. It's essentially the exempt list until they figure out what the heck to do with this whole situation because three suspensions in what, 23 games, whatever it is, not something you want to be dealing with, even though it's a high profile player on a high profile team. Um, there is a ton of nerdiness surrounding this and we already really? have it. We already have it live on spotrack.com. Um, Talk to the, me. the Warriors tax situation was already going to be an absolute disaster. This actually considerably helps things because of the money that he's going to forfeit because of the tax that's going to be shed. And every literally every game that is missed because of the suspension is going to lower the overall tax bill for, for Golden State significantly. And we've actually got charts and tables on the home page of right now to kind of lay that out. If it's more than 20 games, if it's more than 25 games. Um, so look, this is a, an average team right now that is overpaying the hell out of their roster because of obvious reasons. And I think it's a good basketball situation for him to take a little break for sure uh, because of because whatever animosity is going on with him and the Warriors need to reset as it is, but it's actually going to be really financially helpful to this Warriors team, which is a terrible way to look at it, but it's the only way that I look at it because I don't know where, where this is all heading. I don't know how long this is going to be. I've heard the whole season. I don't think that's prudent, um, no, but that's not 20 games could happen. And if it's 20 games, there's some pretty decent suspension ramifications in terms Boy, of the I'm money so that kicks back. <laughs> I was way off on this. On my radio show, I predicted seven. So... I don't know. I think, Does it feel like that now, though? Even with the indefinite, you think seven's seven's I, way? So I thought maybe if they so I did the math on it. If he was suspended six games, he would have been back for the Christmas game. Yeah. Six felt like an awkward number, like only one extra game than five, which was his last suspension. So I kicked it up two. misses the Christmas game. Feels like a penalty, even though the NBA would love to have him out there. Um, 
but now indefinite to me sounds like longer than seven. I think yeah. I'm, I think I may have swung and missed on this one. Let me throw a grenade out there and maybe we tackle this at length in the next episode and we'll wrap. Um, the warriors are dead in the water right now. The dynasty is, is over. They are decaying. And I'm looking at the roster and go, how do they get better quickly or change their, their landscape quickly? And I, to me, there's only one answer as oh, no. crazy as it sounds. I think they have to trade Steph Curry. Oh, man, I don't know. I don't think that's something that's ever going to happen in our lifetime. I really don't. Um, he's got two and a half years left on this contract. You know, Chris Paul. Could you could you move on from Wiggins and save some cash and just let this thing ride out? What is that going to do? I, nothing. Like if you're from- actually trying to change your fortune in the future. The only person that changes the game for you is nobody else. Clay Thompson has no value. Chris no, Paul, you'd no. have to trade something to have somebody take him. Draymond Green, nobody wants that. Andrew no. Wiggins, his value is tanked. Jonathan Kaminga, Moses Moody, those guys haven't burst onto the scene yet. They're not worth much. In the, they're not going to change the game for you. If And I don't think they're going to do it because he's such an icon to that franchise. Mm-hmm. It would be like the Bulls trading Jordan. But if that, that's the only move. When, I, when I'm trying to sit down at the chess table for them, the only move I have to actually change my fortune quickly uh, and prudently would be to trade Steph Curry. I don't believe that. Well, that's, I shouldn't say that out loud. If Steph Curry demands th- that change happens, right? Because he understands that he's probably got three, four years left in his career and he wants to win. Something could get to that degree because I don't think if this is what you're alluding to, I don't think this can be a quick rebuild. You know, because of how much they're invested and because of the numbers we're talking about here. Um, so in my opinion, you just start selling the parts off, right? You get whatever you can get for Andrew Wiggins because it because of what it does to your te- your luxury tax. You know, and if you can bring back two players and maybe one of those players hits, fine. I, I don't think this team is going to be about winning for the next five years, unfortunately. And if that's not something Steph Curry wants to be around for. Well, you might I can, end up I, demanding that. Trade. That's right. Then I can get to your yeah. side of this story pretty quickly. All right, that'll do it for today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast. If you like the content you hear on this channel, follow, rate, review, subscribe. It goes a long way. We appreciate it. All the Shohei Otani content found at spottrack.com. Till next time. <laughs>